0: Had that response um, recently, when I came across this article um, on the ABC News. Um, sorry, my watch is trying to talk to me. Um, so, I came across that article on silent walking. Anyone heard of silent walking? No, no big TikTok trend followers here. I can, oh, So, silent walking. Um, well, what is silent walking, you ask? It's what mo- most of us have grown up with as just walking. Thank <laughs> you. Seriously, it's it's just walking. Uh, but it's walking without headphones or earbuds filling our ears with music or podcasts or audio books or the radio or whatever it is that we're streaming at the time. So revolutionary, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. But I was really surprised as I read this article and had a look at this trend about the responses from people which range from, oh my goodness, that's a totally amazing, I'm going to give that a go, fantastic, um, to never, no, not interested, don't want to be alone with my thoughts. But as I was reading the article, it really got me thinking and wondering why this story was actually news. Like I made it to the ABC News website um, and I think uh, some of the other ones as well. And why had this, this whole idea of silent walking become a trend on TikTok? the fact is that for so many people, walking without listening to something is so revolutionary that it highlights a deep reality in our culture today, that we are a culture of distraction. With the development and prevalence of the smartphone, we are now living in a time where it is possible to never be alone, to never be disconnected. We live in an, in an increasingly noisy world. Music, uh, 24-7, TV and news, and I'm, I'm outing myself with my age now, but does anybody else in the room remember that time of life where you'd get to a certain time in the evening and the TV would just stop? Like you get the test pattern or that kind of, like there was no 24-7 TV and I, like explaining that to my children is almost, it, blows their minds. We've got 24-7 news and TV, social media, podcasts, traffic, people. In December of 2022, a report into smartphone usage by Australians revealed the following statistics. Are you ready? Hold on. On average, Australians check their phone 7.8 times an hour. That's almost every eight minutes. The average use for an Australian is 5.6 hours a day on their phone. If you are a millennial or a Gen Z, it's an average of seven hours a day. In 2022, daily usage trends show that the average Aussie was on track to spend nearly 17.25 years of their life using their phone. years of their life on their phone. Anyone nervous? 75% of us sleep with our phone next to us and 78.5% of Aussies check their phone within 10 minutes of waking up. I'm not going to ask you if it's you. Don't worry. But soberingly, alongside the noise and distraction studies, studies are also showing that we are increasingly anxious, depressed and isolated. Since 2007, anyone know what significant thing happened in 2007? iPhone. The iPhone was released in 2007. Since 2007, mental health disorders in 16 to 24-year-old Australians has risen from 26% to close to 40%. And the highest ones are those being anxiety, depression and loneliness. Our dependence on distraction is serious. It is significantly impacting our emotional, physical... And relational well being. And it is also having a significant impact on our spiritual well being. Our dependence on distraction is keeping many of us from having the sort of transformational relationship that we crave and we need to have with Jesus. At our deepest level, we are designed for a, um, for a relationship with Jesus that meets us at the very core of our being. To experience the presence of God in ways that move us and shape us to be more like Jesus. And that is what discipleship is all about. It's becoming more like Jesus. And yet so many of us don't experience the depth of relationship with Jesus that we are created for. And I know that I am one of them. In fact, it was my absolute dissatisfaction with the status quo, my dissatisfaction with what I felt like was a completely plateaued spiritual life and my deep yearning to experience more of Jesus, which has led me over the past year and a half down this path into the spiritual practices or some of us might call them the spiritual disciplines. It's led me down this path into the spiritual practices that followers of Jesus have been exploring and practising for centuries. In daily life, and particularly as we head into the busyness of the Christmas season, where many of us will feel stretched and overwhelmed, perhaps a little anxious, the good news is that there is a practice from the way of Jesus that pushes back against the pressure of our culture and helps us to reset and recalibrate. And it's this practice of silence and solitude. The great writer and practitioner of spiritual formation, Henry Nouwen says, Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Mother Teresa once said, We need to find God, and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is is the friend of silence. Now, I am not an expert, okay? I am not an expert. But I am increasingly not just understanding but experiencing the value and the necessity of silence and solitude in my life. And over these coming weeks, we're going to explore some of Jesus' experiences of silence and solitude, digging into some key moments in his life and digging into what it teaches us about practising this way of Jesus ourselves and what it can and does do in our own discipleship and our spiritual formation. As we begin, though, um, I want to highlight three resources for you that have been absolutely invaluable for me personally um, on this journey that I am on. And there's lots of others. Um, Dallas Willard, John Altberg, Richard Foster, Henry Nguyen are all um, great writers on uh, the spiritual disciplines. For me, um, here are some of my So John Mark Comer, so the book in the middle there, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Uh, the John Mark Comer uh, was the lead pastor at Bridgetown, uh, church in Portland, Oregon. He has a teachings podcast, uh, which for me, um, I, I dread to use the words, um, life changing, but they pretty much have been life changing for me. Um, but this book as well, um, is incredible. In, when we're talking about distraction, uh, and the, our digital age, it has, was, um, yeah, I've made some significant changes in my life thanks to that book. So that may encourage you or may not encourage you. So, um, so there's that one. Then uh, the solitude practice. So John Mark Comer is also the head of what is called Practicing the Way, which is. Um, some amazing resources that can be used. They're four-week courses. They're all free. They're online at practicingtheway.org. Um, my life group has done the Sabbath practice and the prayer practice, and we will do the um, solitude practice um, early next year. Beautiful, well-researched um, resources. If you are a life group leader, you've already heard me talk about these, but they are incredible, so uh, solitude practice on that. And then the Invitation to Silence and Solitude by Ruth Hallebar is the recommended reading um, from Practicing the Way and it's a book that I am um, reading at the moment and again, just highly recommend it if you're wanting to dig deeper into this practice. So what is silence and solitude? Well, sim- at its most simple, it is intentional time in the quiet to be alone with God. Jesus, John the Baptist, Peter, Elijah and others demonstrate this practice. It's a theme through the Psalms and once you start looking for it, you will see it everywhere. It's a central key practice um, in discipleship and spiritual formation for followers of Jesus throughout history. Um, And importantly, Jesus withdrew to these lonely places to spend time with the Father. Uh, And again, as you start to look through the Gospels, and if you're looking for it, you will see it come up again and again and again. And over the coming weeks, we will look at these passages relating to Jesus' experience of silence and solitude, and just how this practice can bring us strength, wisdom, and peace in the midst of our busy and noisy world. And so today we're going to begin with Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. If you have your Bible and you want to open that, if you have your smartphone, um, grab that. The words will also be on the screen. So we're going to look um, at Jesus heading out into the wilderness, but this event takes place immediately after Jesus' baptism. Uh, It's in the Jordan River. He's baptised by John the Baptist. There are crowds around him, and the heavens open, and the Holy Spirit comes down. It says, like a dove, and this voice from heaven says... This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I would think, great, excellent, brilliant launching place into public life and ministry. You've got the crowd already. It's been an amazing experience. It's like a spiritual high. You would think this would be the great time for Jesus to start healing people, preaching about the kingdom of God, and kind of going about the business of what it is that he came to do. But instead... That's not what happens. Um, instead, we read in verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. So not straight into public ministry, but led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And this word wilderness is a really interesting one, and the Greek word is "eremos." Can you say that? "Eremos," "eremos," And it's a word that, again, as, you, as we read through the New Testament, it comes up a lot of times, but it's um, translated in different ways. So, eremos means the wilderness, desert, deserted place, lonely place, solitary place, and my favourite, quiet place. So, whenever we read wilderness or solitary place or the lonely place, this is the same word, the eremos, this, this place of silence and solitude. So, it goes on in verse 2 For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands and so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. And my experience of this passage over the years, right from when I was a kid right through until um, reasonably recently, was always this, you know, here's Jesus led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, into the silence and solitude, into, you know, that, to fast and to pray and wouldn't know it. Isn't it just like the devil, when Jesus was at his weakest, the devil, devil comes typically and tempts him. Isn't that just typical? When I'm at my weakest, when I'm at my most vulnerable and tired, when I'm hangry, that's when the enemy comes with lies and deception and temptation. And that's how I've always read this story. But as I've looked at this event afresh, um... Through the perspective of the spiritual practices, I have come to a new understanding. Jesus wasn't at his weakest. Yes, he was hungry, and that has more to do with the spiritual practice of fasting, which is a whole other topic. But he wasn't weak. Solitude with the Father doesn't weaken us. It strengthens us. This story of the Holy Spirit it's the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness, into the eremos, made, made sense to me when I realised for the first time that the eremos isn't a place of weakness, it's the place of strength. After 40 days of prayer and fasting, Jesus was at his strongest. Then and only then did he have the strength to defeat the lies of the enemy. I don't know how many of you think about silence and solitude as a place where we go to defeat the enemy. Um, I certainly didn't. For most of us, um, if we practice silence and solitude at all, it's often to read the Bible or do a devotional or maybe to pray or maybe to journal or spend some time in worship. But silence and solitude is a place where we are strengthened by God. It's a place where we can tune into the voice of God, to discern what he is saying and to stand up to the lies that the enemy would bring into us. Time in the Eremos, time in solitude with the Father, away from the distractions and busyness of life, prepared Jesus for the testing, the temptation and the lies that were to come. And it is the same for you and for me. Jesus invites us. Into the silence and the solitude to find strength to face not just the lies of the enemy, but also to face the hardships, the struggles, and the temptations of life. See, he provides us with strength to keep us going when we are tired, hungry, emotionally frayed, and where the people around us are making life harder, not easier. Because remember, Christmas is coming. This invitation to silence and solitude is not an escape from the world. It is a retreat into the presence of God to strengthen us for the life that Jesus calls us to. It was a practice that was essential for Jesus and Jesus models this practice for us with the invitation to join our, for us to join him in the Oremus, in the solitary place, the quiet place, to be strengthened by him. Now today you may not be feeling weak. Perhaps you relate more to Jesus in the Jordan River where there's a strong sense of God's presence and delight in your life. Perhaps you're here this morning and you feel um, just full of wonder and excitement and just like the feeling like you're on the brink of something wonderful. But testing and temptation, doubt and hardship will come and we need to be prepared. And as we consider stepping into this invitation of Jesus, into the Aramus, into the silence and solitude, I just want to note some things that it's not. Okay, So here are some things that it, this is not what silence and solitude is about. First of all, silence and solitude is not about emptying our mind as is with the practice of some religions. Instead, it is the intentional practice of seeking the presence of God in our lives. Again, demonstrated and lived out by Jesus. It's about retreating for short or extended periods of time to engage with and and spend time with the Father. Silence and solitude is not about a personality type. So for all the introverts in the room who you just love time on your own, Silence and solitude is not the escape clause that you're looking for to get out of that um, kind of social thing that you're wanting to do, okay? It's not about that. And the extroverts in the room, we can't claim, well, I'm a people person, I need people around me, um, as an excuse to reject Jesus' invitation into silence and solitude. Jesus was fully human and fully divine when he walked the, the earth, and this practice was essential for him. How much more for each of us? who are fully human and not divine. No matter the personality type God has given you, whether you are introvert or extrovert, whether you're a people person or you like time on your own, the invitation to silence and solitude, the invitation to draw close to God and spend time with him alone is the same and it is just as essential no matter our personality type. Now, perhaps surprisingly or even counterintuitively, silence and solitude is not about what we get out of it. Um, Even though I know, and I can testify, I've personally got so much out of this practice. Um, But if we come with with an attitude into silence and solitude of having to experience something or get something out of it, then we will inevitably be disappointed. This practice is more about us being with Jesus, about bringing ourselves to him because we love him and he loves us and we just want to be with him. There are times in silence and solitude where we will hear clearly from him, where we'll experience a strong sense of his presence, his healing, his peace, his joy. There are times where we may feel convicted of our sin, of God wanting to meet us in the dark places of our soul and bring forgiveness and healing and restoration. But sometimes we don't experience anything. We just come as we are. We just show up. And in some ways, and this may sound like a strange thing to say, but it's, it's actually it's the showing up that is the win, for want of a better word, that I want us to focus on. And that's because every relationship we are in requires an investment of time. There are times that Andy and I, um, Andy, my husband, who most of you know, there are times that we spend together that are full of conversation or doing things or planning things or sharing information or listening to what's going on in each other's time, each other's lives. There are times where we're sharing our thoughts and our emotions and our deepest desires and dreams, all of that kind of thing. Um, and then there are times where we're just with each other. That comfortable silence of just walking together or sitting in a room, or a car, or a cafe, and just enjoying being together. And time together strengthens our connection and our love for each other. Imagine what a marriage or any kind of close relationship would be like without one-on-one time together. We cannot have a depth of connection and intimacy with others without one-on-one time together. And it's the same with our relationship with God. We will never have the intimacy and connection that our souls crave if we don't intentionally carve out regular, dare I say it, daily times of solitude with Jesus. And as in the growth of any relationship, the effect of spiritual formation practices is cumulative. It's our ongoing commitment to spending time, intentional time in silence and solitude with Jesus that keeps on deepening and strengthening our relationship with him. Now, as much as I've just said that this practice isn't about what we get out of it, it absolutely does something in us. And that is because there is nothing, there is nothing like being in the presence of God. His presence is what will bring us the greatest healing and freedom, joy, strength, beauty and love that we can ever experience. His presence is transformational. This practice of silence and solitude has helped me to lean into the presence of God. There are times when I've been in silence and solitude where he has pinpointed something very specific that he wants me to deal with. There are other times, and this has been um, quite recently, this has been a very strong thing for me, there are other times where I've just had this really strong sense of God holding me together by his spirit. In silence and solitude, God has helped me deal with difficult situations by preparing me in advance for what is to come. Um, I was walking one day and I'd probably spent about 15 minutes praying about a really tricky situation um, that I was facing uh, in my life. And I was spending time talking to God about it, but importantly, listening to God and really, really importantly saying to God, I just need you to help me have a right heart in this. Help my heart to be aligned with you. And I probably spent 15, 20, maybe 25 minutes on my walk just processing this stuff with God. And I'd just kind of gone, thank you, Lord, amen. Like literally, and literally a minute later, my phone beeped and a message came through and um, about this specific situation. And whereas in the past, even half an hour earlier, um, I would probably and usually have reacted highly emotionally and with a lot of uh, fear and hurt and worry, I just felt this incredible sense of peace and strength. Silence and solitude strengthens us to face whatever life holds for us in both the big things and the small things. Just as Jesus' source of strength came from his time with the Father, he invites us, you and I, into this place where we can draw on his strength in whatever it is that we face. And I am so inspired by the people in my life, and there are some of you who are in this room right now, who I have seen face incredible hardship and heartache, and yet your faith in Jesus is is strong. And the common thread that I see in so many who are like that is this deep and abiding relationship with Jesus that goes far beyond just turning up to church on a Sunday or even, dare I say it, being in a life group midweek. It's a relationship that is deeply personal where the practice of silence and solitude have allowed Jesus into the deepest recesses of your heart, mind, soul and spirit and where because of that your foundations are firm. And because of that you are a blessing to those of us around you. And this is the same strength that Jesus wants for each of us. This invitation that he offers us to spend time with him and discover the strength that comes only from him, the same strength that he experienced in the wilderness. I love how Luke finishes his account of of Jesus in the wilderness. He finishes off by saying, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. This invitation of Jesus to us all to go into silence and solitude and to come back in the power of the Spirit, strengthened for the life that he has for us. So what might this practice look like for us today? And I know there are probably a number of you in this room and silence and solitude is a really normal part of your spiritual practice. It's a part of the rhythm of your day and your week and your months. Um, and if that's you, I encourage you, keep going. Maybe stretch and grow in it a bit as well. Maybe go longer. Maybe if you've never done a full-day retreat in silence told solitude, you do that. Or maybe go and do one of those 21-day kind of retreats in a monastery or something like that. Really push yourself. So I know for some of you this is regular, and hopefully there's some things we talk about now that will perhaps spark something new or will be encouragement. But for many of us in the room, silence and solitude may not be a regular practice, and so I want to be really really practical this morning and talk about how we can step into this and start to experience it. Essentially, there are two distractions that we need to deal with, the external distractions and the internal distractions. So the external ones, the phone, noise, people, tasks, all of that kind of thing. And the internal are the thoughts that just seem to bombard us as soon as we step into silence and solitude. So how do we start to put it into practice? Firstly, set aside a time each day. And i this is my encouragement and my challenge and my invitation to each of you um, and to myself to join me this week of spending um, a time every day in silence and solitude. It might just be five minutes. If this is the first time you don't, know you might just find five minutes. Push for ten. Okay? Five is great. Ten is a win. So try that every week, every day this week. Decide where and when you will enter into silence and solitude. Will it be at home? And if it's at home, will it be outside or inside? Have you got a comfortable chair that you can sit in where you're going to be free of distractions? Um, I've got, we've got a couple of places in our house that I like to sit in where I can look out the window if I want to and I can look out onto the garden. There's a, a particular spot in the house where I can sit and I can watch the sun rise and it slightly changes depending on the time of year. Find a spot where you are comfortable, where you are free from distraction. If you want something to look at that you have got something kind of good to look at. Um, What time will it be? Will it be early in the morning, lunchtime, in the evening? There is no hard and fast rule. Pick the time of day where you are at your best. Or at least a time of day where you can be alone. So if you have young children and they're still at that age where they're having at least one nap, that might be your 10 minutes. Uh, Okay, so just pick a time of day that works for you. If you're going to spend time sitting, find a place where you're comfortable. I encourage you, put both feet on the floor, rest your hands just um, casually and relaxed in your lap. For some of you, you might find it easier to enter into this practice with your eyes closed. That's great. Others will want to keep your eyes open. That's great. Um, if you are keeping your eyes open, you may want to have something that you can concentrate on, as I said. Some people like to light a candle or have a flower or something that they can look at. Set a timer. So if you've unless you've got five hours and you know you're not going to be interrupted and you've got nothing to get to, most of us will need to set a timer because we will have some kind of a time limit. So this is where our phone can come in handy, to set a timer on the phone and then put the phone aside. The reason I say set a timer is... If I'm worried about the time and I don't have a timer, what am I going to be tempted to do? Check my phone. And that's a distraction. Okay? It's too easy. It's too easy. So set a timer and then put your phone aside. Um, Then this is something that I found really, really helpful helpful to me. And it's called breath prayer. Okay, I don't know if you've ever heard of breath prayer. But it's a very helpful in um, helping us to just calm ourselves down and to focus our thoughts on Jesus and to just enter into a time of silence and solitude, to, to be ready and to be... Um, Just kind of centre our thoughts on God And the idea is that we have a phrase Where we can breathe in with the first half Of the phrase and then breathe out With the second half of the phrase Remember we're not emptying our minds We're engaging in the presence of God I've given you some examples here And some of these are ones that um, I use regularly So the first one Lord Jesus here I am So I would do this in my head silently But I'm just going to demonstrate for you What I mean So this would be Lord Jesus Here I am. So I would say the the Lord Jesus on the in breath, and here I am on the out breath, and I would just do that as long as I need to, to just quiet my heart, quiet my mind, and enter into silence and solitude. But you might like, um, Lord Jesus, you are peace or love or joy or hope or my refuge or strength, whatever it is that perhaps has come out of your Bible reading or whatever it is that you are kind of wanting to kind of lay into. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, walk with me. I use this one uh, pretty much every time I walk. Um, I just, at some point, I usually kind of walk for maybe about five, seven minutes just to kind of get my body moving. And then I get to a point where I walk where i just going to go, oh, Lord Jesus, walk with me. And just setting my mind and my heart on him and consciously inviting him to speak into my life and to just say to him, I'm here with you. I want to walk with you. And another one, this is one again I use very regularly. The Lord is my shepherd on the in-breath and then on the out-breath, I have everything I need. Breathe in on the first part, breathe out on the second part. And this breath prayer is not only great for helping us to move into silence and solitude, but it is incredibly helpful, I have found, for the internal distractions. For most of us, as we enter into silence and solitude, all kinds of thoughts will start to come into our mind. From the trivial, what am I going to have for dinner tonight, to do I need to call a mechanic, to to those kind of, you know those conversations, you know the thing you wished you'd said to that person when they'd said that thing to you seven years ago, and you go into to so and so on, and that comes up. If that happens, the good news is you're normal and you're human. It doesn't matter. But how we move through that um, is really, really important. And so we just need to be, again, to be able to fix our thoughts back on Jesus. And this is where this breath prayer can be really helpful. To just come back to, Lord Jesus, here I am. Holy Spirit, fill me up whatever it is that you're wanting to use. So don't worry about the internal distractions, they'll come, and we'll probably talk about those more over the coming weeks. And as you come out of silence and solitude, as we come out of it, to just pray a prayer of gratitude. You might want to journal something, you might want to read a psalm, perhaps something from um, one of the Gospels, but just finish your time with gratitude to God. And I encourage you, just play around. Have a go. Try the mornings. And if that works, it's great. But if it doesn't, maybe try the evenings. Maybe lunchtime is going to be the best time for you and you've never tried science and so Have a play around. Try some breath prayer. Look up some things online. Try a lighting candle, whatever it is. Just have a go. Have a play. There's no right or wrong. But it's about coming up. It's about showing up and about spending time with Jesus. And I encourage you, too, to look for moments In your day where, um, you would usually or even just automatically reach for your phone and instead use that moment to just spend time with Jesus. Um, some examples, for example, driving in the car. I don't know, but have you, do you guys do that? The radio comes on and you're kind of flicking through trying to find at least one song that you like and you kind of go, well, that one will do. I've spent so many years doing that and now I just switch it off. I said, Lord Jesus, here I am. Is there anything you want to say to me? I just want to be in your presence. It's a moment when I'm on my own anyway, so I just take it and use it. Maybe you'll find yourself waiting somewhere. It's a restaurant or a, at the doctor's office, at the supermarket queue. Again, any place where you would automatically just reach for your phone. Again, just leave the phone. Leave whatever would distract you and spend the time with Jesus. Uh, Maybe it's at work, getting up from your desk. I have uh, a watch that tells me when I've been sitting for too long and when I need to get up. Uh, And so often when I'm here in the office, now if you come in and you're kind of meeting with me and you want me to pray with you or something, I'm not going to get up if my watch buzzes at me. But if I'm sitting on my computer doing something, um, my regular practice now is I will get up from my desk and if the weather is good, I will literally, I will do a lap of the building, not just to stretch my legs, but to say... Lord Jesus, here I am. Lord Jesus, here I am. I just want to spend these moments with you. Perhaps for you it's turning the TV on 10 minutes later or ten, turning it off 10 minutes earlier and just setting aside some time. And perhaps for you it's walking leaving the ear pods out and accepting Jesus' invitation to walk in silence and solitude. And this is one has been a huge part of my journey into this practice of silence and solitude. Because remember that TikTok article, remember that article about the TikTok trend in silent walking? So my first response to that article was, oh really, and rolling my eyes and kind of shaking my head and tutting, Um, you know, kind of a younger generation, and sorry guys, I know you're not all like that, Um, but I also had to admit that until not that long ago, that was me. For a long time, I had been walking daily, but always with something in my ears, always listening to something, and often really good stuff, sermons and podcasts or worship music, So this idea of walking silently based on what I had been doing was a new thing for me. And the very first time I intentionally stepped into silence and solitude on my walk, I cried. I had tears streaming down my face. The very first time as God started to do something in me, as he brought to mind and helped me process a really difficult situation that I was facing in my life. And as I was walking, he met me in that. When I finally gave myself some room to hear God's voice, it impacted me so strongly. And at the heart of it was this reality that God wanted to meet me in what was going on. He wanted to minister to me, to help me, to heal me, to align my heart with his. But to do that, I needed to give him the time and the space away from my usual, normal, routine, indoctrinated distractions and give him the silence and solitude so that he could speak and minister. And now, walking with Jesus in silence and solitude is just a regular part of my practice. There are times where I sense God speaking to me directly. There are times where I feel an overwhelming sense of joy or peace or gratitude. There are other times where I don't really hear or sense anything, but it's still been good. And this is what Jesus wants for us, to enter into his presence. And so this week I want to encourage you, to determine in your heart and your mind the time and the place where you will practice, where you will enter into silence and solitude. But to finish today, we're going to spend some time in solitude. We're going to spend three minutes together. Um, I'm going to uh, read a few, a couple of verses from a psalm. So I want to encourage you just to, right now, change how you're sitting if you need to just sit comfortably, if you've got your legs crossed. You might just want to uncross them. You might just want to put your um, hands uh, relaxed in your lap. Um, You might want to choose one of the breath prayers. That uh, slide is going to come up as well. Pick a prayer that you might use. I invite you, if you want to, to close your eyes. If you'd rather keep your eyes open, um, I encourage you maybe look at the cross. Look at the screen. Just pick something. And I'm going to encourage you after I've prayed um, these couple of verses just take five breaths in and out slowly using the prayer you've chosen and then we're just going to spend three minutes in silence and I will gently bring us out of that silence by reading um, some other verses from uh, Psalm 62. So would you close your eyes if you want to? I wait patiently before God. For my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honour come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. For God is our refuge. When you're ready, let's stand and worship together.